A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. Love the song. Kitty was the original name of this song, but it's actually called Mickey now. Tony Basil from 1982. It's one of the best one hit wonders with Neil Humphreys here on uh, Weekend Mornings as we discuss the phenomenon of one hit wonders. People who have had big songs around the world, and that's it, Neil. And this song that we just heard, mm. of course, means a lot to both of us. So I'm going to hear your comment in a moment, but. Let me first uh, bring in our regular contributor here on Weekend Mornings, Brian Harris from Songland Records. You're definitely not a one-hit wonder, Brian. You're around for the, the long run. But uh, what, is, uh, what about Mickey? How big was that song in Australia when you were a, a young lad? I wish I was a young lad when it came out, um, but uh, um, look, it was a ginormous hit here and everywhere around the world. Do you know that uh, she's actually 75 years of age now with wow. um, uh, Tony Basil? That's going to all put some perspective on a Saturday morning. She actually released um, uh, her first song back in 1966 on A&M Records, and uh, the B-side was a song written by Graham Gouldman, one of the great pop songwriters of all time. Um, who, of course, was part of 10CC. Good morning to you and Neil as well, by the way. Yeah, good morning, Brian. So we're talking One Hit Wonders with Brian Harris there in Canberra, Australia, from Songland Records. He's a regular contributor here on Money FM. Neil Humphrey's in the studio. And I, I mentioned it used to be called Kitty, this song, because there was a band called Racy in the 1970s mm. that Brian and myself uh, and also Neil will remember. And they... and. Tony Basil was a choreographer, you know, very well established, and she changed the name to Mickey and made it a, a cheerleader song, Neil, right. and it was a massive hit. It was like just global phenomenon, but that was it. Well, two I'm sure things. That, um, sorry, Neil, to cut yep. you off, um, uh, that uh, a lot of people uh, around Singapore would be very familiar with Racy, who had some very big hits in the late 70s, and yes... Uh, Nicky Chin and Mike Chapman, who uh, were great pop songwriters, had a lot of hits with Blondie and Susie Quattro, who I'm going to catch up with them uh, next Sunday, by the way, just oh, name dropping there. Um, and uh, the only difference, the main difference between the original version of Kitty of that Smash and Grab album of Racy is that Tony put in the Oh Mickey, You're So Fine chant. Oh, and yes, yes. came up with that bit and included that in there. And that, uh, of course, some very famous film clip, the head cheerleader uniform, yes. that was actually her uniform from Las Vegas High School. Aren't we full of amazing information at this time of day? Well, we are indeed, Brian. You're a <laughs> font, my friend, a font of, of trivia, Prince of Pop trivia. But the thing, what I like about that song is that I was a young boy at that time. I was about nine or ten. And it was two things that happened with that that helped to launch it. Well, three, if you include the big drum beat, which gives it that infectious cheerleader feel. That's the first thing. Yep. The second thing is, of course, I, I think it predates uh, MTV just slightly, but it still had that uh, memorable video which helped to take it to a wider audience. And the third thing, of course, it was cheerleaders. Mm. And I was a 10-year-old yeah. boy. And when they started wobbling, I started wobbling. <laughs> and parts of my oh, body that never wobbled before right. started wobbling. <laughs> so it had, it had that appeal to it as well. To a young 10-year-old boy, I thought, that's a good video. Mm, yeah, look, it's it's amazing, Brian, how they can, you know, come up with something that just sticks like that. And, and I think some of the stunts they did in that uh, cheerleader video are now banned because they're so dangerous. Um, but oh, really? Yes, okay. yes. So what we're, what we're going to do today is we're going to go through our top three one-hit wonders uh, of all time each, and we're going to go through uh, and, and talk about some of the songs. 
And, you know, the phenomenon of uh, one-hit wonders, firstly with you, Brian, being an ex-record rep, and, of course, you've met many of the big stars like Billy Joel and Michael Jackson and, and many others. What is it about a one-hit wonder that just, you know, resonates with the public? What makes it different to a, an artist with longevity? You know what? Um, they've only had one hit. I don't think, and I don't mean that um, uh, uh, in, in a silly way, uh, that... Uh, if they have one hit, um, uh, that's a really interesting question. Uh, I don't know. They, they just resonated and just didn't continue on. Lightning only struck once with them. We, there are so many songs that fall into this category from the Archie Sugar Sugar to Spirit in the Sky, Who Let the Dogs Out? And let's face it, do we want another hit by the Baja men after Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> no, we don't. But, it, you know, exactly. you, make, you make a good point, Brian, because um, I was reading up on One Hit Wonders, and it's a real song. Science, you know, because you've got these music journalists, Billboard, have, you know, the Billboard charts in America, they've written books on one-hit wonders. And, and I've written articles, uh, read articles this week, where journalists argue over what constitutes a one-hit wonder. You're right in the literal sense, you have one hit. But then, of course, you might have other hits in other countries. For example, the one that fascinates me, on almost every US one-hit wonder list that I've seen, Aha is always on it with mm. Take On Me. Yeah. Which That's is extraordinary right. because they had the sun always shines <laughs> on TV, which was a massive hit in other countries. I think they had a number one with the Living Daylights, the, mm, the Bond theme from the same movie. I think that's um, uh, sorry, Dindo, I think that's probably more to do with poor research than anything else. Could be. I was, could be. Um, I was also doing a, a, a bit of swatting up over the last few days, and uh, in New Zealand they regarded the Divinals as a one-hit wonder. Now I don't know uh, if they had uh, too uh, much success in in Southeast Asia, but the Divinals, being a legendary Australian band, had probably closer to 16 or 17 major hits. Wow. Um, so I just think it's a bit of poor research. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that uh, me and Jason had a bit of a debate about this because Come On Eileen by Dex's Midnight Runners. Mm. Come on, Eileen. Yeah. Which is a, a great song at drunken yeah. parties across the world. But again, you just mentioned there, Gino, Jackie Wilson Sings, I think was another mm. one. They had a lot of hits in the UK. So I think it depends on the country. It yes. depends on the context and so on. All right. Well, let's get to the... Uh, there are, look, there, um, uh, while we're pricking people's memories, I mean, there are a lot of genuine one-hit wonders, yes. and I'll throw a few more into the mix. You've got The Singing Nun and Dominique, Lorne <laughs> Green, I remember from uh, Bonanza uh, with a Ringer, Jeez, yeah. um, uh, Judy in Disguise, Green Tambourine, uh, Jeannie C. Riley, Harper Valley PTO, a great song oh, written great by song. Tom T. Hall. All right, let me get to my list to start with. I'm going to give you... Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, we're we're, um, taking away time from your list. Yes, (laughs) it's all about Jason Dacey. All right, we're going to give the three, two, one, okay? In the bronze medal category, I've got uh, Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Douglas, which I Uh love. And I I used to get... uh, I used to go on this bus between Malaysia and Singapore, and they had it on this this cheap bus. They they had the sort of some... About 10 songs, and this is one of the songs. And I always loved hearing it, you know, and playing that, you know, and it's got a ha-ha-ha at the start. Very quickly, I, I, I shouldn't say this really, but at my daughter's school one year, they did a Chinese New Year celebration, and mm. it was all very respectful and dignified. But one of the years did, everybody was a kung fu fighting. <laughs> I thought, I don't know what this has to do with the Lunar New Year, apart from playing up on every Chinese stereotype imaginable. All right, that's number well. three. Number two is uh, Video Killed the Radio Star. Wait, sorry, sorry, hold 
Tom, hold on. We're here to entertain the punters, I'm afraid. And let's just talk a bit about Kung Fu Fighter because I went to a lot of trouble with doing a bit of research on this, Jason. All right, that go ahead. That song actually sold about 11 million copies Jeez. and was actually a B-side to start off with. Oh, that's wow. That, that, that's a, that's, okay, I'm going to leave a little pause and each time I give a, my <laughs> list, you can you can pop in with a little gem no, no, there. No, no, it's quite like a <laughs> thing. Yeah. But that song, um, in all seriousness, Kung Fu Fighting, this is what makes pop music so interesting, is they spent over two hours doing the A-side and they had about 10 minutes left in the studio and that's it literally only took that amount of time to actually um, put Kung Fu oh, fighting I love down. It. And and I lo- uh, yeah. That ended up selling 11 million copies. And everyone. that's why it's rubbish. Wow, wow. <laughs> All right, <laughs> number two is, uh, as I mentioned, Video Killed the Radio Star. Good song. Which um, Neil has a bit of a backstory to. Yeah, because I think you would know this, Brian. I think it was just a bit of fun from the famous British producer Trevor Horn, I think his name was who was a huge producer, massive bands. Brian will come in in a moment and tell us which bands. But I know, for example, he was big with, uh, well, Band-Aid. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Frankie Goes yes, to Hollywood, that's yes. right. He was a big, that, that big sound they had behind songs like Relax and Two Tribes. Mm. That was Trevor yep. Horn. So the he basically put this band together, the Buggles, yep. just for fun, to make this song. And it literally took him a couple of hours to make just a thing he did for fun. And it put all his kids through college. I mean, nice work if you can get it, Brian. Yes, yes. The, the downside is that uh, every now and then we all have to listen to the damn song. <laughs> well, Jackie's got number two. In fact, it was the first track uh, ever played on MTV. Yeah, I think I think it was. I didn't know yes, that. yes. I think it was. Oh, it was that, that first one. You know what the second one was, by the way. Dana. Kung Fu fighting? <laughs> <laughs> no, very, very good. Now Pat Benatar was actually the oh, second artist. Oh, on hit me MTV. with your best shot, was it? I, you know what, well, I love um, is a battlefield. I've myself into a corner here. Let's go with that one. Yeah, that works. But it was Pat Benatar. All right. And number one on my list, and this will be uh, something relevant to Brian as well, because we met uh, as teenagers at a holiday camp in the 1970s. My Sharona by the Neck, which I think came out when either Brian and I were leaving school or about to leave school. I think it was 1979. Fantastic one-hit wonder. You know, we'd come out of that kind of new romantic period or maybe we'd come out of the disco period and we're going into this kind of classic rock period before we went into the new romantic period. But my Sharona, to me, was, uh, you know, these Armenian boys from Los Angeles came up with that song, Brian. Is that right? A a legendary song. I saw the Knack play live and I I really feel um, uh, sad for the Knack. uh, they did a concert in uh, in Sydney. It was called the Knack for Nicks concert, and that means that uh, you actually had to win the tickets to go along. And uh, I did that, and they were fantastic live, one of the tightest bands I ever saw. And uh, uh, My Sharona, of course, is a legendary song. It was actually, at the time, Capitol Records' fastest gold um, debut single since The Beatles. Wow, yes. It really it did have a Beatles feel to it's it, the song. excitement. You know, I think it was when you know we were at the end of our, our school terms, you know, end of our, our, our final year of school. So, all right, that's, they're my top three. We're going to go now to Neil's top three descending order, Neil. Right, I'm literally finalising these as I go along. Number three, I don't care how much you laugh at me, this is it. First one to tell me what the song is. Ready? All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new edition. Something got a hold of me tightly. Is anyone to tell me what it is? Is it Ice Ice Baby? Yes, Ice 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 Baby. Baby. And I know it's rubbish. I absolutely... Oh, it's a brilliant song. I know it's a white man singing like a black <laughs> man. It's terrible. It's an awful song. But I, it was very much... I was 15, 16 years old. I didn't have the blonde hair, but I tried with the gel to do the uh, mm. the, the spiky Ivan Drago in Rocky Four kind yes, of yes. vanilla ice hair. It yeah. failed miserably. I just... 
I just came up with um, uh, a, a great link of some trivia here. Uh, that uh, Just going back to my Sharona for a minute, mm. um, uh, the, the lady's name is, um, and she was a real uh, lady, Sharona Alperin. Now, Sharona Alperin is actually in real estate, and she uh, uses the, don- uh, the domain name mysharona.com for her um, uh, real estate business. And uh, Vanilla Ice went into real estate as well. He did. Oh, great segue. He yeah, did yeah. go into How real estate. That? Yeah, very that, good. That and and that's true about Sharona, actually. I've looked her up and I've seen that. All right, number two, Neil. Number two is a proper song. Mm. It's a really good song because I think it's got one of the great guitar solo openings and it goes then the drums kick in I expect Brian to know what it is by now it was a Liverpool band and they were called The Lads but they sold it as La Lars because that's how they pronounce it in Liverpool and the song is There She Goes Again there she goes. Oh, brilliant song! There yeah, she yeah, goes yeah. again. Which I can't sing. I didn't know they were from you Liverpool. Know, next time we do this segment, do you actually have to bring some CDs <laughs> in so we can play some music? Just, just throwing it out there. I know. Yeah. yeah. No, what, what, what are you saying, Brian, about my singing? That's number two. <laughs> that is a great it, it's song. Wonderful. That is All a right, great that's, song. That's number two. Uh, give us number one. Number one is. <clears throat> Do you love me? The contours. Do you love me? Now that I can dance. You know that song? You don't know the song? I know the song. I know the song. Absolute classic song. 1960s. I defy anybody not to hear that song and start moving. We're all dirty dancing as we listen. Dirty dancing. (laughs) It's my wife's favourite film that doesn't include Mary Poppins. So I have a soft spot for the film. (laughs) It's Patrick Swayze getting down. It is a dirty, gritty, grimy, Motown-esque Atlantic Records beautiful song with an outstanding lyrics. None of you are going to come up with a better song than the contours, Do You Love Me? Oh, I wasn't trying to, believe me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, the gauntlet's down to you, Brian. Uh, Tell us your top three, uh, your top three, descending order, top three one-hit wonders. Brian Frog well, Harris. I, I can tell you very quickly that um, uh, the, the Macarena's not on there, the Safety Dance is not on there. I like the um, Safety well, Dance. But, uh, but I did throw in there, I, I like this actually, I'm not a great fan of rap music as such, but uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back. Mm. Um, it was a big number one hit, it went double platinum back in 92, mm. and uh, it's just a great party starting mm. uh, tune. No, I'm not going to sing it. Two other ones that I really do enjoy uh, were an English instrumental group of the 60s, The Tornadoes and Telstar. I know it, yep, I know it. An yep. interesting, uh, a fantastic track, which one thing people would know if they heard, mm. it was actually the first US number one single by a British group. That's right. And at the top of the list, uh, once again, a little bit different, the only Japanese song to reach number one on the Billboard charts, Kaiyu Sakamoto and Sukiyaki. Well, she, he's got us there. Wow. I don't know that one. I have to look that one I, up. I don't know that one. You're, you're, both of you are familiar with the track, of course. Well, now you're going to have to sing it, Brian, because I'm clearly not. Oh, no, no, I'll, I'll leave Jason to do some, some research and maybe see if he can find it to, to play it, because it was a, uh, say a very, very famous song. As I said, I went to num, uh, number one around the world, or in most places around the world. And when you hear it, you will know it straight away. It's going back to June 1963, Kaiyu Sakamoto, Wow, we're well, going to have to look that one we up. We will. And what about honourable mentions? I, I, For me, Brian, I'd say Seasons in the Sun uh, is one of the best yes. uh, one-hit wonders from the 70s, which, of course, you and I will remember. Anything else that you'd mem- you know, mention uh, on the Oh, Shocking list? Blues, Venus, uh, Turning Japanese, The Vapors, yep. Yep. Uh, Eve of Destruction, um, and then Bruce Channel, um, Hey Baby, when you're talking about the contours same kind of period as well and uh, uh, Delbert McClinton uh, who was actually on that track and you will know that song particularly for 
uh, talking about Dirty Dancing. Don McClinton at the time was the bloke that taught John Lennon how to play harmonica. Wow. On my side, I almost put in Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Yes, because that was my university getting drunk and falling up. I get, get knocked, knocked down, yeah, but I yeah. get up again. That nearly made this list. I think Spirit in the Sky is a, is a great song yeah. by Norman Greenbaum. For the sheer quirky novelty value and the fact that it was number one all over the world, including Singapore, mm. Mumbo Number no. 5 yeah. has a real catchy, jazzy uh, feel to it. And the poor man, Lou Bega, kept trying to redo the same song over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, there's, I mean, there's loads there. Uh, Brian mentioned Sugar Sugar by the Archies. Yeah. Arguably one of the most popular and most famous uh, pop songs of the 60s. So there's so many there. Eddie Riverton, Loving You. Oh, Loving yeah, You is a yeah, great song. Beautiful song. All right, we're going to go out with uh, What's Up, a song by the Four Non Blondes. A quick word on this, Brian. You put it in perspective and give us the overview of One Hit Wonders as a phenomenon in music. Well, this is actually just a great song and a great melody and uh, a great performance. And uh, Linda Perry, I think her name was um, uh, from the band, went on to become one of the great contemporary songwriters as well. And that's what happened with a lot of these acts, is that uh, they may not have uh, continued on in the spotlight, but behind the scenes, uh, they've had a lot of success. A great song. All right. Thank you very much, Brian Frog harris Thank you very much to Neil Humphreys. We are going out with uh, What's Up by the Four Non Blondes, one of the great one-hit wonders from the 1990s. It's been fun, guys. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Cheers. Forward of that means.